Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Today's episode is sponsored by Ravel and Bethany House Publishers, which are divisions of Baker Publishing Group. Find out more at bakerpublishinggroup.com. Good afternoon, everybody. I am Jamie Jo Wright with Madlet Musings, and today I have with me um, a fellow Bethany House publishing author, Elizabeth Musser, who has way more writing experience than I do and lots of great books to her name. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jamie. Love to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It's so fun to have you here. So you have a new book coming out here in August, August 2nd, it releases, and it's called By Way of the Moonlight, which is a gorgeous title. Tell us a little bit about it. Love to. So um, it's a dual time novel, my first real dual time. And um, it is in the present day, um, Allie, the young protagonist, her, her grandmother has, promised her that she can have, that she has left her in her will, the estate that her grandmother grew up on. And it's a five, 10 acre estate in the heart of Atlanta and it has horses on it. And so Allie has spent, um, she's in her late twenties. She spent her um, last six or seven years becoming a physical therapist and an equine therapist and is getting ready to open the, the barn to equine therapy. But when the will is read, her her grandmother has been uh, kind of swindled and the, the barn, the property has been sold to a scheming contractor. So that's the present day. And then it goes back to her grandmother, um, whose name is Dale. And her she was a great uh, equestrian and in the 30s and the 40s and um, her showing and her um, love with her, a young writer um Tommy and uh, then I it, it goes into the battle of the Atlantic in um 1942 through 44 and how horses were used to patrol the beaches oh, of yeah. all all the beaches in um, North America which I did not know I, so I kind of stumbled upon it so it's a lot about um horses and present day past day and um one of the main themes is obsession. So, um, but uh, I can tell you more why I, my inspiration, but that's what it's about. (laughs) Oh, I love that. It sounds fascinating. And I love that it's in that time period too. It's, it's strange to me how the time period of war could also be almost a nostalgic, heartwarming time period. Cause that's such a juxtaposition, but for some reason, it seems that those thirties and forties tended to be nostalgic for so many reasons. And, and that is, and people want to read about it now. I mean, World War II is such a, and yes, and it is, it was, it's nostalgic. It's, it's exactly that. So um, I had a lot of fun doing the research. If you can say researching the war is fun, but there are parts that really were, and and finding more out about what was going on in America, because I, I had not studied um, really the battle of the Atlantic and certainly not the coast guard mounted patrol. No, no clue, no clue about that. 
No, and that's really fascinating. I'll be interested to read that because I'm not real. I remember hearing about horses, but I was kind of nodding my head as you were mentioning that because I was thinking about them being used over in Europe, but we're talking North America here, which is funny because with World War II history, we focus so much on the overseas that it's almost as though we don't focus on what happened here. And I mean, again, you've, you, you, uh, you know this, but you start researching and you fall down these rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. And um, what I learned, well, Tom Hanks has done a movie recently called Greyhound about mm -hmm. tankers um, on the, the tankers being, um, you know, uh, the U-boat, the German U-boats torpedoing tankers. Right, sure. But um, the horses, when I when I started studying about the mounted patrol, found out that the merchant mariners on the tankers in, on the Atlantic coast, I mean, they're carrying supplies to Europe. They had a higher percentage of death rate than the, the soldiers in the army, Navy, Marines. I mean, they, and it, it's really, it was heartbreaking and fascinating. And they were not, they were civilians too. So they don't get, they didn't get the benefits afterwards um, if they survived. But um, yeah, just things you, well, it, it is inspiring too, to see what people did. Everybody joined in to yeah. do something, you know, in America once after Pearl Harbor. And don't you kind of wonder, would we do that now? No, I think all we will do is just yell at each other about who we voted for. And I just, I just want to scream. <laughs> I know it does seem like that's, that's the way of things now, which is unfortunate, but you know, I even remember in um, when September 11th happened, there was that element of patriotism that really seemed to awaken people for you know almost a decade, at least. It seems like we've kind of been lulled to sleep again, but um, yeah, I, I agree. It's, I hope that we can all rise to the challenge if God forbid we ever need to. Well, yes. And I mean, I've lived the past 35 years in France. Right. And so just seeing um, it, just a different, uh, when, when we first moved to France way back in the eighties, um, France did not hide their wounded. You mm -hmm. saw all the, um, the veterans from, you know, 19, 45 well from it, well the probably the first world war there were no living veterans but there were many many from um world war ii and just um the holidays veterans day um it just a different mindset they weren't sometimes i i feel like we've done better in the lately but we used to hide our our yeah our heroes in a sense um anyway I've, it's just been very interesting and inspiring and hopeful also to read what we we as Americans did mm -hmm. on this side of the um, of the you know the war. Right, right. So you mentioned um, the inspiration for the book and and the thematic elements to it. So tell me a little bit more about that. So I grew up in the middle of Atlanta. On um, it is not as luxurious as the estate I describe in the book, <laughs> but it's still it, it's um, it's in Buckhead, which is a very is it's a very nice section of Atlanta. But when my grandfather built the house back in 1938, it was the boonies. It was my mom had a pony, and she would gallop on dirt roads all mm -hmm. around and. Um, but my, when my grandmother passed away, 
my parents and myself and my brothers moved into the estate of this little house that was on five acres and um, ended up adding onto the house and adding onto the barn. And I grew up with horses. And um, for many years, I've wondered how, um, you know, how to keep that property because um, no, no one in my father just passed away this year mm -hmm. and um, my mother passed away a few years ago and we can't, nobody in the family can afford the property, but we want to keep it. It's like a family homestead, you know? And so um, just, and it's, there's, there's nothing like it in Atlanta anymore. Um, and if, if we sell it, it will be, the house and the barn will be imploded and they'll put up cluster mansions and build a road or something. And that was my mom's worst nightmare. So just had those little thoughts in my mind. And this was, you know, my parents were still alive when I was thinking of these things. And um, so that was my inspiration. Also, I grew up showing, but my mom was the real equestrian and just that love for horses. And she did not, um, do equine therapy she but she taught young riders and she taught half of Atlanta how to ride and just the connection between horse and rider and yeah. more and more we're finding out that equine therapy in all its different um, derivatives is hugely beneficial so um so anyway those thoughts were trotting around in my head and then I galloped into the battle of the Atlantic and the horses <laughs> on the beach and found out the beach my family went to all our lives is the one where they were trained so yeah oh it's goodness. inspiration comes um yeah it's serendipitous isn't it and I say yeah it's you know the Lord just is bringing things to mind and inspiring me and in, in many different ways I I'm I imagine you have inspiration kind of from yeah. little yeah. facts you find and then truth from your life and yep. it all melds together. And I try not to, I tell people if they feel like I'm winking at them in the book, like <laughs> that, I am, but I try to do it so that only those people will know. So it's not right. like hanging dirty laundry everywhere, or usually it's a nice wink, but anyway. <laughs> So, anyway, that's so I can be own. I can be assured you're not going to have a crazy podcast lady who pretends to write books is the lead character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you never know, Jamie. You just never know what inspires, right? <laughs> oh, funny. Well, you know what? Let's take a break. But then when we come back, what I'd like to do is talk to you because you mentioned that you'd lost your father recently and your mother six years ago. And then we're also talking about war. And with that comes that element of grief mm -hmm. that, you know, I've experienced recently as well with the loss of my mom. And, you know, I, as long as you're open to it, I'd love to just ask you a few questions about that when we come back. Sounds good. All right. We'll it's be back in just a bit. Are you enjoying today's broadcast with our featured author? You can find out more about them and other authors from Baker Publishing Group at bakerbookhouse.com. Use code MADLIT40 for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title at bakerbookhouse.com. This also includes Ravel and Bethany House Publishing. Go over fast. It's MADLIT40. That's your magic code for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title. Thank you. 
All right, we are back here at Madlet Musings and we're talking with Elizabeth Musser today about her latest release by way of the moonlight, um, which sounds absolutely delightful. So rush out and get it. And if you listened to the ad that just played, you can get 40% off that book at bakerbookhouse.com. So be sure to do that. But back to our chat, Elizabeth and I are diving in deeper now and We've both experienced a mutual loss of a parent within the last year, and her book does talk a lot about the war, and that obviously um, touched a lot of people's lives with the, you know, the awfulness of grief. So Elizabeth, share with me a little bit how you approach grief and that journey of life. Sure. Well, at my other job, my daytime or nighttime job, whatever you want to call it, my husband and I or do pastoral care for missionaries all over the world with our, our mission organization is called One Collective. And so I, you know, talk to my, people tend to put, we call them workers, we don't say missionaries, but anyway, our our colleagues, people um, tend to put uh, missionaries up on a pedestal, but we are just the same as anybody else and probably have even more problems because we're trying to figure out our life overseas. But so I, um, part of my job is just listening, right, to to um, my fellow colleagues going through a lot of times different kinds of grief. But then it's you, and you are going through it, right? You and right. so I and and you, we say it all the time. Everybody's grief is different. There's a grief curve, but you cannot um, predict when that, how that curve will look or what will happen. And so I have, um, I've found um, when my mom passed away six years ago and she had been the bravest person in the world. She had gone through two open heart surgeries, breast cancer, and then later, years later, passed away from a stroke, but it was such a shock that um, that was like this huge regret. I hope I got home in time to see her, but um, my dad had pancreatic cancer. So we knew there was a clock ticking. And, but both of those, um, what I find, and I would be interested to hear if you have um, found this, um, the immediacy of all of the, the, the shock and the sorrow and sometimes the horror and sometimes the, um, the messiness and then all the details and, you know, administrative yucko ucko after a person <laughs> passes and you're just in this complete blur. Yeah. And then, and, you know, but eventually, and this half is, I'm not there yet with daddy, but with my mom, there is just, um, and with my grandmom too, my grandma lived to be a hundred and both of them, their, the end was really not pretty, even though they're, they loved Jesus, but they, you know, it, death is not pretty, It's not. but, um, but now my memories are those sweet, sweet things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that that's grief too. You have that deep pain and loss and just ache. And the, and then for me, I've had uncontrollable tears and um and then just a numbness but I know that um time heals the Lord heals in his way and and you don't want to heal exactly right because the the pain shows the love if you didn't care that would be the tragedy and so um so I find I just 
I think um, something that I, I've been talking to myself about for several years is just that idea of being kind to yourself and the grace of our precious Lord um, and Savior. And a lot of times we're pretty hard on ourselves, I think, especially as women mm -hmm. and, um, and allowing Jesus to be my companion in grief and just sitting there with it and knowing that he's not telling me to hurry on up because it's it's not going to be in a hurry. Um, I know that, but putting that into practice every day is my it's my thing now, right? It's it's I, I, I feel like the past two years or more now with COVID, the whole world had to learn that, yep, every day has enough trouble of its own. And <laughs> and I feel like that's been my life personally, too, for the past year or two. Just every day has enough trouble of its own. I don't really know what tomorrow is going to look like. Um, and I don't know how I'm going to be doing mentally because I think as authors, we're all a bit nutty. I mean, just, oh, there's that's know, unquestionable. We, we are neurotic cuckoos, but we're we're kind and loving people. Usually, oh yeah, but we, we just have we have our issues. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> now it's just I'm I'm living it more than ever. Just each day has enough trouble of its own, and um, and it's it's bittersweet, isn't it? Yes. So it you can tell I can just go on and on, but I just <laughs> do you relate to any of that? As oh, far as absolutely, absolutely. And you'll have days and even weeks where you're like, okay, we're back to normal. This is good. And then all of a sudden, something will just pop up, and you're just a, you're a mess. <laughs> oh, oh, and absolutely. And we mess. we are um, going through things in my parents house and I mean this house is huge they've had you know it's been around for almost 100 yeah. years and yeah like but there's so many sweet things like we found a cheat sheet I made for my mom she wrote down all these words in English and then I wrote how to say them in French oh. like probably you know 30 or 40 years ago when we moved overseas sure. so that she, and you know, just little yeah. nuggets of gold that yes. you just grab onto. And, yes. and so there's that sweetness in the bitter, right? There is, um, there is. Yeah. I've, I've gone through, we, we've yet to really tackle the bulk of going through my mom's things, but um, I go into her room here, you know, pretty much every time I go there, I kind of sneak in and, you know, just kind of drink in the essence of who she was. And I keep finding little post-it notes in random places and they have different scripture verses on them. And I know she was reminding herself of something and each one of those verses. So I take a picture with my phone, my cell phone, because post-its can get lost very easily. Digital seems to last longer and they're yeah. fun to set for wallpapers on my phone, but it was really um, interesting to me. I was going through a really tough situation a couple of weeks ago. And um, it's one of those situations where you just, you need to call mom. You just need to call mom. Yeah. And it wasn't working, obviously. Um, and so I, I did the next best thing, which really in my case, thankfully is the next best thing. And I called my mother-in-law who has mm. been a blessing and, and just an absolute gem of a woman and cried on her shoulder, so to speak. And she said, well, she said, I know your mom read this devotional and I read it too. It's called streams in the desert. She said, um, I have a copy of it. And she said, didn't I give you a copy? I said, yeah, you've given me one, but I haven't really looked at it. She goes, well, just go to, and she gave me the, this specific date to look at. And she said, this maybe, maybe this will encourage you. Well, I had, um, also gotten my mom's copy of it. 
And so instead of going to the one my mother-in-law gave me, I grabbed my mom's copy, which is the older, these, the thous, you know, yeah, sure. read, but I grabbed the, her copy just because I felt like I needed to be close to her. And there was a page that was dog-eared. So I turned to this page just instinctively, and it was the exact same page that I was supposed to be on. And the yeah. devotional was outlined and underlined and all her little notes were on it. And I was like, I just heard from mama. Yeah, is it that, is it that it's, I feel like, have you heard the whole thing about the red cardinal? Um, yes. so, so for the past three or four months, a red cardinal has been banging on the window in my dad's den. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, at first we were like, you know, he's not very bright, but when you <laughs> hear all the, um, the symbolism of throughout the centuries that, and and um, we had a hospice nurse at the house and she said, yes, um, when I was a hospice nurse in the hospital, the red cardinals would come to the window of my patients in the hospital. And I just thought, you know, as a person of faith, you look at that and you say, the Lord put a homing pigeon thing in red cardinals to come and say, gonna, you're going to be okay. And I'm telling you this red cardinal, he's just my best friend. And I just feel like it's Jesus saying, it's okay. And, and then they keep appearing in different ways. And you just see um, the Lord, yeah, walking you through that dark valley in, in so many personal ways. Like you're saying, you found your mom's streams. That I have that book upstairs okay. too. And, yeah. It, yeah, and it's like, and I, I'm often, I think, really, Lord, you didn't have to do that. And yet you did. You want me to know that you are such a personal God and you are you you don't take the pain away you don't make it easy but you walk with us and you um you walk in a, in such a personal way that um that we can't it's I, I remember after mom passed away I was taking a walk around the block their house I mean just around the block where the house was and I just was meditating on scripture and all of a sudden I said it works it works. It really works. When you have to, when you need Jesus to carry you, he carries you. Yes, he just yes. carries you and, yes. and you are carried. And I, I felt that then, and I felt it again. Now it's just like, mm -hmm. you don't know how you're doing it, but he's carrying you. He, his promises are, are true. And those things, you know, we don't wish that on any of us, but we know death is the reality. And we have that hope that he comforts us Right. with a comfort so that we can comfort others and and isn't that true i found the people who cry with me the most uh, who understand me the most whether it's a physical illness or a death or or a horrible misunderstanding are women who've been through it you yeah. know and i i that's what i like to put in my books i i i, I say my novels are entertainment with a soul and i we were talking about this earlier just i love that there's, I hope there's a good story. I hope it's interesting and the plot and I've done my research well, but I want my readers to be able to dig down mm -hmm. if they want to and, and find the soul and, yeah. and be entertained in their soul. And I think, um, yeah, just the themes. I didn't know my father was gonna pass away while I was writing this book that is all about his, his life and my mom's life. Um, but I, I found just, um, the themes were there, you know, of 
find joy in helping others, be kind and courageous. Um, you have to take the risk of being misunderstood. And what is enough? You know, how can you be, what is satisfaction and enough? And what is paradox? And then I found this, I do not know who gave me this, but it's a, it's a towel, it's a hand towel. You know, you have it with, and it has this little, it's not a verse, but it's a little, whatever, dicton, what do you call them? A, a, a pithy little saying and yes. it says <laughs> I can't remember the word in English when life gets hard to stand kneel mm. and I love that I mean it was just and in my novel that's what happens to my my main character of three times she kneels and mm. she has memories of seeing her grandmother and her um her nursemaid kneeling and and I love just exploring all those different forms of, of worship and prayer too. Um, and so, yeah, it's all, it's all, it gets mixed together. I say, sh I have barn wisdom in my novel where it's like, um, <laughs> she talks a lot about manure, <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of manure in your life, but there's a sweetness to it too. Yeah. And it makes, it makes, it makes the grass grow, makes your gardens grow. It does. But I think, um, yeah, life is mixed together like oats, and honey, and mm -hmm. it comes out, you, you just learn, learn from the really, the simple things in life yeah. that are not always simple and take those, those truths and hold on to them for the rocky ride. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, we, I think you and I could probably talk for hours and have multiple podcasts, yeah. but um, I love to see how faith integrates into your stories. And that touches a deep spot in my heart as a reader, because I love to read for entertainment. Yes. But I also love those stories that, like you said, touch, touch your soul and inspire yeah. your own faith. So yeah. yeah, I just, I, same here. And I'm so thankful for the, the venue that we have as believers to to write stories and hopefully, I, I love it when people who don't share my faith read the stories, but, um, but to, to, to offer hope and redemption yeah, Absolutely. and restoration. Yeah. Absolutely. So if readers want to find out more about you and your books, cause I know that you've got more books besides just this one out, um, where do they go to find you? So just uh, my website, www.elizabeth with a Z, elizabethmusser.com. And you can find links to Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, BookBub, you know, contact, you can, con you can join my newsletter, you know, all those things. But I do say, and you probably feel this way too, anytime, every time I get to connect with my readers or sign a book, I feel like I'm getting a hug from the Lord yeah. because he's allowed me to do what I love doing. And, um, and we wouldn't be able to do it without our readers. Right. So Absolutely. thank you for having this podcast to connect with readers because um, we really, really are grateful for you guys. Keep yeah. reading. Absolutely. 100%. I echo that as well. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for sharing um, some vulnerable things from your heart and about your story. And we will be on the lookout for this book by way of the moonlight and more to come in the future. Thank you very much. You have a good day. You too, Jamie.
Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com. <laughs>